You're listening to Seahawks Rewind, giving you expert analysis from the Seahawks postgame show with former Seahawks Paul Moyer, Ray Roberts, and Robert Turbin. Hear from head coach Pete Carroll and Seahawks players in the locker room. Now, here's your host, Michael Bumpus. The Seattle Seahawks lose to the Minnesota Vikings 17-30. Not the type of game that we were expecting. We knew it was going to be a tough game. Ray Roberts and Robert Turbin, Paul Moore, and myself went into the game thinking that, but also we thought they were going to get it done. You look at this Vikings offense, 453 yards of offense, 73 total plays, really controlled the game, 35 minutes of possession, 140 yards rushing. That is without Dalvin Cook, but I think the story of the Vikings has to be Kirk Cousins, 30 of 38, 323 yards Three touchdown. Madison, the backup running back for the Vikings, had 26 carries, 112 yards, no touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had a day, nine receptions, 118 yards, one touchdown. On the positive, we had a DK sighting, six catches, 107 yards, one touchdown. Russell Wilson did not play bad, 23 or 32, 298 yards. One touchdown, end of the day. This offense just couldn't get going in the second half because they couldn't get on the field second half. Second week in a row, they had one possession in the third quarter. I believe they had three possessions in the whole second half. The defense was on the field for an extremely long time. All right, when we get back, we're going to hear from Pete Carroll, Jen Mueller down in the locker room with some players. Players are going to step up to the podium. A lot more to go right here on the Seahawks Radio Network. Welcome back to the Seattle Seahawks post game. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Ray Roberts and Robert Turbin. Before I get great analysis from these guys, I'm going to talk to the man who calls it all, Steve Rabel. How we how we doing, man? How we doing? I'd rather have I'd rather hear their their uh, great opinions because I ain't got much to say, my friend. I, you know, I mean it's 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 frustrating a little bit. I sort of felt like Russ, and I'm sure I'm sure all the Seahawks fans did. And and quite frankly, you know, you've been there. We've all been in that locker room or on that sideline when this kind of thing is happening and you just can't turn the ship in the direction you need to turn it in for whatever reason, whether it's offense, defense, doesn't doesn't much matter. And how frustrating that is, you know, knowing that, yes, it's early in the season. We've still got a lot of football, a lot of football ahead of us. But there's some corrections that you have to make. But remember this time last year, we were talking again the same thing, Seahawks defense, giving up a million miles. It's just that Russ and company were – we're, you know, taking advantage of that by scoring a lot of points and winning some games to start the season. Right now, Russ and company, what do they have? 81 yards of offense in the second half and wow. no points. I mean, that's you, – you can't win a football game. And then, of course, the Vi- part of that was because the Vikings were on the field the whole time. So just discouraging, and they're just going to have to figure out a way. And like Dave uh, Wyman says, you know, who are you on defense? What are you? You know, are you going to put pressure on? You're going to take the ball away. You're going to stop the run, but you got to do something because right now they're they're not really able to do much of anything on defense. Rabel coming into this game, um, Kirk Cousins was a big topic. You know, is he is he a clutch guy? Can he get it done? Thirty of thirty-eight, three hundred twenty-three yards, three touchdowns. It's time to put some respect on his name, huh? There's your answer, and we we mentioned that during the game that he just doesn't seem to get. The credit that he deserves, you know, for maybe for a lot of reasons, but he's a good, solid quarterback, and and he makes the throws, he makes the reads, his targets give him someone to throw to. His offensive line protected him. Did we ever? I think a couple of times there was a strip sack, uh, and 
the ball came out and he fell on the ball. But other than that, there weren't many times when, you know, he didn't get his jersey very dirty. And for what the Seahawks kind of went in for this year was to bring a pressure package with the guys that they have on defense. We're not getting pressure, at least not right now. And that is turning out to be really difficult on your secondary because they're being asked to do an awful lot in the back end. And, and we're just giving up too many completions and, and you know, gouge-type plays, 18, 20 yards of throw. You, you just can't do that and, and hope to win. Kirk Cousins can win a lot of football games with this Minnesota team. Ray, but I'm watching this game and I'm looking at the body language of the defense. It always seemed like they weren't on the same page or they were trying to blame somebody else. Did you get that feel as well? Well, I got that feeling of frustration that they were constantly sort of looking to each other or looking to the sidelines like, okay, yeah, they just got another 18-yard crossing route. Why? Who was supposed to be there? Or was that my guy? Or there, there was just some of that. Or I, was, I did everything I could do to get into position to make that play. And, you know, the guy just ran a great route. Sometimes that's going to happen. You know, as a receiver, sometimes you're going to get a defensive back in a bind and you're going to make a great move on him. And it's, you know, you're asking the defender sometimes to do almost the impossible. But other times you just need to, you know, play the defense the way it's designed and you give yourself a lot better chance to be successful. And again, right now the Seahawks defense just really having trouble getting off the field. All right, Rabes, that's all I got for you, man. You uh, have a good night. Get home safely, sir. I shall. Thank you, Bump. See you. All right. All right. When we return, we will hear from Pete Carroll as he steps up to the podium your Seattle Seahawks lose to the Minnesota Vikings 17-30. to Disappointing. Lots more when we come back. Welcome back to the Seahawks postgame. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Ray Roberts and Robert Turbin. We're going to talk about this loss. Seahawks lose 17-30 to to the Minnesota Vikings. They were 0-2. Minnesota's now 1-2. We knew going into this game, Ray, it was going to be a tough one. This is one of the best, or was one of the best, 0-2 teams in the league. Yeah, and and like we've been talking to the you know from the pre I mean the pregame on is that it's a it's a tough team. Kirk Cousins is a is an underrated player. Maybe in some you know bigger games and bigger moments he hasn't come through. But uh, and and during the regular season he tends to put up uh, really good stats. You know, and today you know you can you know to me pass defense is a combination of the pressure and the coverage. And so you can say well he didn't get wasn't under a whole lot of pressure today. Well, he was a, there were guys running wide open in, in the secondary, so it's kind of easy to get the ball out in those situations. You don't have to hold the ball very long, so, it, so it, the pass rush doesn't have a, a lot of a chance to get there. Um, but, you know, the, the offense for the Seattle Seahawks offense in the first half looked like what we thought it could look like. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of opportunities in the second half. Again, for the second week in a row, uh, they only had one drive in the third quarter. Uh, and then the Minnesota Vikings just kind of dominated the ball. So uh, the offense just really didn't get a chance in the second half to get going, but the, the defense just couldn't get itself off the field. Turbo on the uh, defensive side, well, actually the offensive side for the, uh, the, for the Vikings, Alexander, 26 carries, 112 yards, the backup coming off the bench. How impressive was his performance? Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of confidence in this guy going into the game. You know, like, you know obviously Dalvin Cook was going to be out, and they're like, hey, we're going to be all right, uh, had some success against our team last year and uh listen you know they're they're a formidable football team they know how to run the football that is the identity of this football team run the football play action pass and let Kirk Cousins kind of drive the ball down the field and that's what you saw today in today's game so uh you know give him a lot of credit man for getting going you can see him even getting better as the game got going 
breaking more tackles and things like that, starting to impose their will on our defense. Uh, so give the Vikings credit for executing and uh, coming out with a win today. Ray, you know what's crazy is we saw a lot of the things that we wanted to see on offense, right? Yeah. We saw the pre-snap movement. They came out running the football. Chris Carson, 12 carries, 80 yards. We saw them getting the football to DK. Russell Wilson took care of the ball, didn't throw any picks, one touchdown, 298 yards. I think that's what kind of makes it even more frustrating. Yeah, it does because you were expecting to come out in the second half and uh, and, and just kind of see some of the same. But the, the Vikings scored, what, 14 unanswered points right before halftime and took the lead. And, and I put in my notes about halfway through the fourth quarter that uh, this offense doesn't function very well when it can't dictate to people, you know, to the defense what's going to happen, which usually means when it doesn't have the lead. And then because it gets very one-dimensional. And then it's really easy to pass rush in those situations. Uh, you know, and, and if the coverage isn't all that great and you're in the, on the road, it's loud, you get a little bit late off the ball, all those different kinds of things impact the protection. And then you're up against it. Every single play is so big when you're trying to come back from you know, double-digit uh, uh, points down. And then, on, and then on defense, you just have to find a way to get off the field. You know, in, in the first half, they, you know, up until the last, you know, two drives that the Vikings had, they were playing good football. But then they gave up, you know, the scoring drives of seven yards and uh, seven plays, 70 yards, nine plays, 85 yards, 12 plays, 66 yards, 16 plays, 50 yards, 11 plays, 70 yards, and 12 plays, 88 yards. So they have to find a way to get off the ball. A couple of those drives were probably kept alive by uh, penalties, one of them for sure, that led to a touchdown. So the whole idea of complementary football for the Seahawks, just the last couple of weeks have just fallen apart in the second half. Looks like exactly what you might want to have in the first half, and then in the second half it just falls apart. Turbo, the Vikings did a great job in their screen game. I mean, it was impressive. Yet the Hawks tried to do the same thing, and it just wasn't working out for us. What did you see in the screen game? Yeah, you know, for the Vikings, listen, they understand that we want to blitz. You know, we want to try to put pressure, pressure on the quarterback and uh, give them credit. What they did was they schemed against that. Uh, and on the Vikings side, defensively, you know, they trusted their front four, you know, more than uh, trying to bring guys in the secondary or their linebackers. And so, you know, in the screen game, uh, a lot of times it's not going to work against a defense that's not really blitzing. Uh, so, you know, they were just able to execute uh, that scheme better than we were. Now, when it comes to the offensive line, man, Ray, they the Vikings drew up some exotic blitzes, right? There was a blitz where the safety rolls down like he's going to blitz. He drop backs in the coverage, boom, then he flies downhill. How how chaotic is that for an offensive line to kind of sort all that stuff out? Well, it's a lot tougher when you're on the road when you can't really communicate. Uh, but the, the thing that's important is that uh, we used to have this thing that said uh, two-on-one is better than none-on-one. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, every now and again they got caught in those situations where the center was uh, picking up uh, the, the defensive tackle, but then the linebacker was coming, so he left the, the defensive tackle to get the linebacker. Now the running back's confused, like, well, which way should I go? Next thing you know, you have two guys in the backfield and, and two offensive guys just looking. And so the communication is key. Like in the second half, there was a few times where – the clock was running down and the play clock was, and you could see them scrambling to get the communications and all of a sudden Dwayne Brown maybe didn't get communicated like the, the things that he needed. So then he gets you know pressured. There's a pressure over him that comes through the inside gap. So all those different things are really tough in perfect situations, even tougher when it's really loud and you're having a hard time communicating. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go for I it. was going to say Mike Zimmer likes to bring that line guys in the double-A gap, right, and may not always blitz them. Uh, but just the look of it, uh, you know, likes to disguise some things, maybe look like a backer is dropping, then all of a sudden he comes, 
historically, you know, Russell's had some struggles with that double-A gap. We've seen the Arizona Cardinals do it a lot against us and some and some other teams. When it comes to communication, it's just about the center. You saw a couple times the center, like, go to one guy, then trying to get off and go to the next guy, then it throws off the running back. You just have to be decisive, decisive in those situations. How frustrating is it as a running back to get down and know you're not going to get the pill? You're just not going to get the rock, right? You're down 14 points, two scores. Do you have to tap into a place where you're just like, look, I'm just going to take one for the team and pass pro? Do you understand the situation? Just get, take me through the mind of Chris Carson late in this game, knowing that he's probably not going to touch the ball. Well, I have to do my job to win the game now. You know, listen, I know uh, in this situation, Chris is like, listen, I know I'm probably not going to get the carries. And he's not really you – can, you can tell that his role really isn't in the passing game in those type of pass-only situations. That's when you start to see Travis Homer come in. He's kind of like the pass protector kind of guy, getting the passes out of the backfield and stuff like that. So we know, listen, we're down a couple scores. We know where we have to go offensively. So you're also going to fit your personnel into those uh, situations. So, you know, it's not really a mindset shift. It's more of like, okay, I still have a job to, to do in order for us to go out here and have a chance to win this game. We saw DK Metcalf get involved extremely early in the game. I believe the first drive he had three receptions, capped it off with a touchdown. It seemed like they kind of went away from that. Do you think they went away from it or just the challenges that the Vikings were presenting forced them to go elsewhere? Well, I, I think it was probably a combination of all of that, right? So, like, they the, the Vikings probably made adjustments. But then, like you said, in, in the third quarter, there was only – one drive, and uh, and then the, if you look at the, the the total team stats, they ran 21 more plays than the Seahawks did, mm-hmm. and they had the ball for 10 plus more minutes. So they for a whole quarter of plays they had the ball, and so that's more opportunities. Th- those are lost opportunities to keep that game plan going to get DK in, involved to to kind of get everyone you know driving down on DK and then and then get the the over the top pass to to lock it or someone like that. It, it takes away the patience with the running game because now you're down 10 mm-hmm. points and you're trying to get back into the ball game and, and you can feel the momentum of their offense, you know, really kind of beating down the de- your defense. And so you're trying to manage a game in a way that you can score points and also give your defense a break. And so it really take, it really bites into what, what it is you're trying to get done. All right. Now, Trevor, what do we go from here defensively? And it mm-hmm. seemed like we played soft coverage we tried to get pressure, didn't really get to the quarterback. If if you are the coach, I'm asking you to be the coach. How do you fix this? That's a great question. <laughs> that's <laughs> a great the answer, question. Turbo. We need it. <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. No, you, I mean, listen, you have to take a hard look at yourself right now, uh, not just from a player standpoint, but but also uh, as a coaching staff. And so, you know what? Uh, similarly to the offense, is like, you know, what is our identity going to be? I think the defense has to ask their, themselves the same question as well. You know. Who do we want it to be? And then also, what do we do well? What, what, what is our best asset as a defense? I don't think they know that yet about themselves. What do we do our When it's third down and we need a play, we need a stop, what is our call? What is that one call that we can go to that we know that everybody feels comfortable communication-wise, execution-wise, that we know we can get ourselves off the field? Right now, it's, feels, it feels like a guessing game. They don't know. We don't know what that play is for us yet, and they need to identify that moving forward if they're going to want to you know, be successful. Something I, I going off of what you're saying, something I don't know too is what is the best position on defense. We naturally look at the safeties, right? But for you to have a top-tier defense, 
I don't think your safeties can be your best your best guys out there. They're the safety blanket. Yes, Jamal gets down to the box. You're gonna blitz him or whatnot. What group do you feel on defense needs to step it up, Ray? Well, I would just say, and I don't. I know we the defensive line and the linebackers are two different groups, but I just group it together as the front seven. But that front seven has to determine or has to make up their mind that they, they're going to stop something. So that means either getting unbelievable pressure on the quarterback to help the corners or you're going to stop stop the run so you can make them one-dimensional. And then you can bring some of your exotic blitzes and things like that and try to you know, you know uh, uh, get pressure on the quarterback that way. Because right now, I've, the, the last two teams have been able to do whatever they wanted. You know, they've rushed for – Madison rushed for another 112 yards – uh, today and and then the quarterback you know threw for 323 yards so you have to stop something so that you can get them to to a you know something that they do that you can manage and that you can game plan over all right we got a lot to figure out lots to discuss here when we return we're going to hear from Pete Carroll as he steps up to the stadium your these Seahawks lose to the Minnesota Vikings 17 to 13 lot next here on the Seahawks radio network Seahawks fall to one and two to the Minnesota Vikings tough loss for the team now we're going to hear from Pete Carroll as he steps up to the podium. It's a really difficult game for us today, uh, the way it went. Um, unfortunately, uh, Minnesota's been work, working the football on offense and in the first couple games really well, and they did just what they've been doing in the first couple games. We didn't stop them like we needed to. Um, when you mix it together, uh, the offense really was, was rolling in the first half, and uh, Every third down was so crucial. We needed to stay on the field and, and keep the defense off the field, and we weren't able to do that, so we didn't work together well. And um, there's a really long season. There's a lot of games to be played, and we got to make sure that we get right and get better and improve and make some, uh, you know, make some adjustments so that we don't. It doesn't look the same as it did. Um, we need to see four quarters consistent football uh, enough to get a win, and uh, we didn't have it today. It wasn't there. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I'm I'm you know, I don't know why that's happened. Uh, I do know that we haven't played well enough on the other side of the ball to get off the field and give them more chances. You know, I think we had a couple five play drives in there where we got to get another first down conversion, and uh, to keep the ball going. But we shouldn't. You know, it doesn't feel right to be in a race. You know, to score to keep up with the other team, and that's kind of what it felt like in this game. Both teams were moving it, and uh, and we kind of got quiet and they didn't, and they they continued to win the game. I thought he did really good again. That's how he's been playing. He's looked just like that. Um, he's completing 72% of his passes coming in. You know, he didn't, he didn't, we didn't do enough to him uh, to keep him from getting that done. Screens were really effective for them, and they did a nice job of getting the ball in behind us uh, on the play passes down down the field. And then it winds up really, as always is the case, it winds up being a third down game. You know, they they, they did really well in third day, third down. We didn't. We did. Every, we threw everything out there. That, you know, we threw all the stuff we've been working on. We we, we went with today. Um, tried different things and tried to get pressure, uh, but they they seemed to have their head on the rhythm. They they, were, they did a nice job of staying ahead of us, and and uh, we weren't able to get pressure on the early downs to offset those third downs, make them longer, and uh, they were they were real effective. They're they're good. They're really good on offense. They they that's just exactly how they've been looking. And I, I thought we would be able to offset it, and uh, we would control the run better. But as the, as the game wore on, they were able to do what they needed to do in the fourth quarter and, and piled it up. I'm sorry, Greg. I couldn't understand that. I said you've thrown the scheme book at him now. So is it time for personnel changes, or what else? 
we'll take a look at everything. We'll, we'll look at everything. We, we have to, we got to get better. We just got to get better. And we'll, we'll, we'll utilize all the ways that we can, we can go about that. Cornerback play, what was your assessment today? Uh, we didn't make very many plays out there today. Uh, we need to help them more. Um, I was disappointed late in the game. We, we, we needed to challenge to get some wins to see if we could get off the field that way. And uh, their receivers beat us, you know, and they did a nice job. What, what's keeping Sidney Jones from playing on defense? Not much. Really, he's really close. He's close to be playing and helping us, and, and uh, the competition is on. And um, this week, I, I mean, I told him I thought we might play him today, and then we just didn't get it done today. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at everything. No, there, there's a that's a factor. I'm t I promise you that's a factor. Unfortunately, you know, Dre is a, is a he has a real positive effect with our guys, and uh, you know suddenly he he's out of the mix, and um, we missed him. We missed him today. In the second half, with, with, with the defense, or I mean the offense, did you just feel like it was a matter of not converting on third down, or did you feel like it was anything? Yeah, there, I mean, it, it come, when it, when you look at it like. You know, you, you already we're, we're starting to tear it apart. That, that it's just a play here, a play. That we had a couple screens that we didn't we didn't get converted, and, and on our end of it, and those offset the sequence of the drive. You know, and, and then we need to get a big third down win. We didn't get it a couple times, but um, the offense functioned well in, in this game. We ran the ball efficiently, uh, particularly in the first half of the game, and, and then we just didn't get enough run opportunities because we didn't make the first downs. And so um, we felt like we could run the ball, and, and we did. Krista had a really nice day, but it, we weren't able to get back to it. And uh, we got to get off the field in defense so the offense can have their shots, and so it all works together. Yeah, it, it was. It, it shouldn't be, though. You know, okay, so they get a first down because, you know, I, I, we're off the field. And this happened a couple times to us. You know, we're off the field and we get a, a penalty like that. And so they, they get a conversion. But they still got 70 yards to go. You know, we have plenty of chances to stop them. So I don't know how that carries over. But um, there is, you know, there's statistics that show when you have a significant penalty in the drive, the scoring opportunity goes way up. And, and that's, but I ain't buying that. You know, not, not in that sequence. We should, we should get off the field in any of one of the other opportunities. Yeah, he was okay. He was really, you know, it was such a um, an unusual situation. He got twisted, and and uh, he just wanted to make sure because he it was so close to getting hurt. Uh, he wanted to make sure he was all right, and uh, which he seemed to be. It was really an awkward position that he was in, and foot released just when it had to, and unfortunately saved him. Yeah, yeah, he, he he looked great. You know, he was playing really good and, and was really a factor in, in the game as he has been. And, and uh, it was good to see him rolling like that. Is Jordan Brooks okay? Yeah, he just he had really bad cramps on both legs, and he came back in the game. Is, is that why he was off the field? Uh, I think the final drive of the first half, or was that just normal? No, we we're seven. Kerry Hyder. He had a concussion. Well, what's what's really was obvious when you see Bobby saw one late in the game, he goes and goes and gets it. You know, we have to recognize them. We're not recognizing them quickly enough. We're getting back in our drops, and they're working. You know, they have a nice scheme. They throw the ball in behind you as they did, and we're driving out of there, and we get too much space between us and the screen. They, that's why you throw those sometimes, and, and we were late to respond. When we did, we, we 
we didn't force one properly. We had snuffed out, and then the other one, you know, Bobby makes a play on it because he feels it. That we just have to do a better job of sensing it. And any one of the guys in the linemen have a chance. Linebackers, DBs, they're all who are in the force situation have an opportunity to. And, and unfortunately, there's a couple of them, and they were impacting. And I think they threw four in the first half, you know, and, and they did a nice job with it. Um, he banged his knee uh, during the week, and, and we thought he was okay. And uh, he, in warm-ups, he just didn't feel right, and he, he, just, he couldn't go. In general, why haven't you guys been able to score points since the second half of the game? I don't know. You know I don't know, because part of it is opportunities. We've got to stay on the field, you know. And, and when it doesn't mix right and the defense has given up first downs and the offense didn't convert them, then we just, it's just out of balance, you know. I mean, what changed? Nothing, they didn't do anything different, you know. And, and we didn't do anything different. And just we missed our opportunities and then we weren't out there. And so uh, the offense, shoot, I was, I was fired up about that. I think we scored three, four times in a row or something, you know. We were really on it the way we needed to be in. And uh, just missed our chances and then all of a sudden the game gets away. You guys have been Yeah, you have to stay together. Yeah, yeah, stay together and hang together. And it's a long season, and we don't know how the stories are going to be written. Right now, you know, you guys will go off and, and, and you know, try to figure it out, but you don't know. You know, we don't know what's going to happen, and you don't know what's going to happen with other teams and all of that. And we have to just keep staying together and, and stay connected and, and keep giving ourselves the opportunity to have a great season. And the only way to do that is to hang. And so, uh, you know, this, here we go. We're on, a, we're on the road again next week. Yeah, we got to get through this, this start and, and, uh, um, and get rolling. Yeah, um, the, both both the first halves were, were really good, you know. And in the second, I think that's the last couple of weeks, and then in the second half we didn't hold it together, and uh, um, we got we got to play better, you know. We got to play more more disciplined uh, play to keep it like it's been. That's all. Anything else? Thanks. Pete Carroll sending a message saying to his players and to us, these guys have to stay together. And that's pretty much all you can do at this point, right? It, there's no point in pointing the finger. They're going to do that on Monday, right? Turbo gave us the inside mm-hmm. on Tell the Truth Monday. They're going to do that themselves on Monday. If you are a player in this locker room, Ray, you started off one and two. You've had some tough years in Detroit or whatnot. Um, as a leader, what's your approach? Well, I think it's just what Pete said. Like, uh, the, the first part starts with accountability, right? So it doesn't matter what your performance was like on the field. No one, you know, put together a winning performance in the second half. And so you have to, as an individual, as a leader, that accountability has to start with you. Even if it's, if it's the coaching staff and just, like, just being aware of what you could have done or should have done or situations you could have had back and done it differently, just holding yourself accountable to those things, that's what leadership is all about. And it's not about point fingers and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, then it's, but then the next part of it is just being real honest about where you are. Because sometimes you can get in a situation like this and lie to yourself. And it's like, well, I did this okay, but, you know, it, or if I had just done that or if that person had just done this. And it's like, no, what could I have done differently to, to, to impact the outcome uh, in a more positive way. Uh, and so I, I think you have to be real honest about that kind of stuff. If you're not, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna play bad. One, one thing that when you're used to being a good team and you start playing bad, it's hard for you to admit that in this moment, no matter how large or small it is, you're playing like a bad football team. Because yeah. what will happen is be like, oh, no, we're a good football team. It's like, well, yeah, but for the last six quarters – 
you know, for, for four quarters of the last two games, you've been a bad football team. You've done things that bad football teams do. And if you can't call it out like that, then you have a harder time getting back on track. All right, Terrell, I got a question for you. Let me get this in real quick. Let's pause 10 seconds to give our network station a chance to identify themselves here on the Seahawks radio network. Seattle Seahawks station. Cairo. Cairo radio. Conversation. Breaking news direct from the sidelines. And where the 12s hear the Seahawks. KIRO FM Tacoma, Seattle. So now, Turbo, these tell the truth Mondays. Do these coaches, do they tell the truth themselves? Like, hey, I put you guys in bad position. I shouldn't have made this call. Or is it more so just geared towards the players? No, no, no. It's it's everybody. It's everybody. The coaches, definitely. You know, they they will, hey, I, I could have called a better call on this play or I could have put you in better position. Uh you know, and listen, you know, Pete does a great job, man. He holds himself accountable uh, more than people may maybe give him credit for. You know, he said, hey, man, I got I have to do a better job as a football coach. We have to do a better job as a staff. And whatever those things are, they'll certainly uh, iron that out. And, and they're not a you know, they're not afraid to uh, express those uh, to the team. All right. You're Dwayne Brown. Big Ray. What's your message on on Tell the Truth Monday? Well, if I'm if I'm watching the the game uh, and I'm just being really honest with myself, like you know, Dwayne had a couple hiccups, you know, so I'm I'm gonna call myself out first. But there, you can lead, call people out, be brutally honest, and not be harsh about it. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's when you're, it's when it gets kind of harsh and when it gets like um, finger pointing or accusational, that's when you start to lose people as a leader. Uh, and because then you, people tend to lose a little bit of respect for you when you do it that way. But uh, And th- it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't happen or that it can't happen. But when it does, you do lose a little bit. But I, I think it, I would just tell our team, like, be really honest about your evaluation of your performance and then figure out what are those things that you need to improve on. I always tell people, like, when I was struggling, I would tell a teammate, like, man, this is this is the area where I'm having to – this is where I'm struggling – here are the things I'm going to do to get better at it. And I'm telling you so that you can hold me accountable to it. So if you don't see me doing those things during practice, after practice, before practice, I need you to come to me and say, hey, Ray, I thought you was going to do the such and such. You know, so I give, I give people permission to speak into my life that way as a player, as a man, as a father, as a human, whatever it is. And to me, that is, that's the kind of message I would deliver. I don't know what type of dude Dwayne is and all those kinds of things, but for me, the way I lead, that's kind of how I would do it. Keep it 100 Mondays. That's what I'm going to call it. Now, keep it 100. All right. The Seahawks mobile app has everything you need to keep up with your favorite team. Stay up to date on the latest game day highlights, news, and stats. Download the app right now or go to Seahawks.com app to learn more. When we return, we're going to hear from more players at the podium. We're going to go down to Jen Mueller in the locker room. She's going to talk to him, too. Lots more coming up next on the Seahawks radio network. Thank you, Rogers. All right, let's go back to Minneapolis where Dunlop is at the podium now. I'm just watching. My daddy's watching. Just kind of in that locker room. I'm sure you guys are disappointed, but just how does this keep feeling right now? Uh, hmm. Frustrated, disappointed. We got executed this game and the second half of last game. Nobody loves to see that happen because um, we know we have way more ability than we have shown, but we have to go do it. What did you make of just the pass rush today? Uh, 
Well, we had a couple sacks, but we didn't get home enough. But, you know, coverage and the rush collective has to be better in order for those things to happen. Um, and, you know, I can only control what I can control from, you know, my perspective and or my group. Um, you know, we got to try to get our hands on some of those balls, um, bat them up in the air some more. Um, and then when they do hold it, we got to get home. Yeah, yeah. I've seen this rodeo too many times. Um, I feel like we have the opportunity of a lifetime, one of the better ones that I've had the opportunity to suit up with. Um, but that doesn't matter if we don't go and do it. We can't keep letting ones like this and the last game slip away when we when we have um, you know opportunities in front of us. Opportunities don't come twice, so we got to take advantage of each and every one because they count. They matter. You guys were already without uh, LJ and Benson and you lose Terry. How much did that affect you guys up front today? Uh, I don't think no one person caused us the game today or two people caused us the game today. We as a collective on both sides in all phases did not put our best foot forward. And um, we all got out executed today and that's what the scoreboard displayed. Uh, I, I can't look up um, at what everyone else is doing um, because we need to fix our own. And if we control what we can control, then what everybody else is doing doesn't matter because when we see them, we have to see them. Uh, finished, um, uh, getting off the field, can't give them too many opportunities. Um, you know, when teams have the opportunity to call as many plays as they're calling because they're putting together these long drives, you know, you got to be on top of your execution even more. Anything else? Thank you, Carly. Thank you. Clearly frustrated. Um, that's the word to use, frustrated, disappointed, got out, executed, feels like. Just like how you say, Ray, you got to marry the run with the pass. You got to marry the rush with the coverage. Yes, and, I, you know, he said that, like, it's a collective thing. You know, if, if they have to do their part, the back end has to do their part. And, and to me, um, in these last two games in the second half, um, I think the defense starts to press a little bit when they when I think they can sometimes feel that something about the game is slipping away, whether it's the running game or they, you know all the passes last week that were that were caught in front of them. This week, people running open in the secondary, and when you get that way, there's a certain level of fatigue, not necessarily physical fatigue, but mental fatigue. And we saw a little bit of that today. Guys turning and looking at each other, asking what's happening. You lose a little bit of discipline, like in your approach to it. You try to do more than what you can do, or you try to do something different than what the what your assignment calls for, because you're just trying to make a play, trying to get a spark, trying to get off the field, and uh, and so all of that kind of you know adds up to uh, you know either some mental fatigue or mental frustration. That is that then you start to press to try to do things that you can't do. And anytime you're in that situation, you're going to tend to make more mistakes than you normally would. So yeah, and if you're and if you're pressing, sorry, but you're good. But it, that's a trust thing, too. You know, 
that that you, you, you like you said you feel the game slipping away from you or you know you feel a, a, a drive kind of getting away from you and so you start to press and you start to do things maybe out of character or 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 more than you should and, and you got you're looking around at each other and 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 you're chomping at each other and it's because you know you don't have a trust for one another yet you know and they're still trying to establish that in my opinion along with their identity it's tough to be disciplined when you're getting smacked. You want you want to make a play, <laughs> okay. but you have to be disciplined. Okay. You yeah. have to be disciplined, <laughs> even when you're down. All right. Want to see Blue Thunder and the Seahawks dancers perform up close or catch us live and in person? Then American Family Insurance Touchdown City at Lumen Field Event Center should be a part of your game day routine. Open three hours before kickoff, so bring the whole family and experience the excitement. Lots more to do when we return. We're here from Dwayne Brown and a couple other guys that they step up to the podium the Seahawks lose 17 to 30 to the Minnesota Vikings dropping to one and two welcome back to the Seahawks post game show I am Michael Bumpus with Robert Turbin Ray Roberts now we've touched a lot on the negative okay we had we had to go there because it is what it is but there are some positive or were some positives here Russell Wilson took care of the football. I mean, the only time he really forced the ball down the field was late in the game when he felt like he had to do it. Um, he was only sacked twice, got hit a few times. He was 23 of 32, 298 yards. He took care of the rock, and I think that's something that needs to be pointed out um, because in situations like this, when you are down, it's easy to try to force it. We just talked about guys being undisciplined and not doing their job when you're down. It would have been so easy for Russell Wilson just to be like, you know what, I'm going to be the hero, and I'm just really going to uh, increase this lead by turning the ball over. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the positive, you know, we wanted them to run the ball more in the first half. You know, they were really you know, doing some things in the run game, even though sometimes they were getting – you know, two or three yards here and there, and then Carson would have a, a couple uh, uh, bigger runs. But he ended up with 12 carries and he averaged almost seven yards a carry. So those are good things that you can you know take to the to the to the next. You can take the whole first half to the next game yeah. because you did those things well. You spread the ball around. You got the tight end included. Disley had a couple catches. Edward had a Edward had some catches. Uh, you know, they were getting feeding DK and he was getting hot. And so you hadn't even gotten a chance yet. To turn to the other, you know, getting Freddie Swain or Lockett involved in, into the into the passing game and things like that. So there's a lot of good things on offense that they were doing earlier in the game. They like the pressure may not have come as frequently as we would like on defense, but on but they were getting you know they were getting to the quarterback. And then one of the sacks was called back because of a because of a penalty. But they they were around him enough to harass him enough that if it could have kept that pace up. In the second half, you know, you never know what could have happened. So there are some things that there's always good and bad in everything. And, and because of the the way the Seahawks have lost, we want to just harp on the on the bad stuff. And you're going to hear about it on from all the Twitter experts until like Thursday night. And I'm telling you right now, I'm staying off uh, Twitter. Staying off. I'm not even talking about it, man. <laughs> it's, one of those, it's one of those games where it's like you you guys have had yeah, those yeah. games where you go, man, I ain't even gonna watch the film, bro. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. just move on to the next one. I'm yeah. just moving on to the next. I don't want to debate anybody Sometimes about it. Sometimes you can it. do that yeah. as a team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you just you just move on. You just move on past it. But uh, but no, there's some there's some good things you know to, to to take out of offense, especially that you can take away from the game. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, they, they didn't turn the ball over, and, and that's always a, a huge factor. We know that that's a huge philosophy of Pete's is, uh, you know, ball control and, you know, being able to make those plays. And, and you know, but it's difficult, man. You know, after a loss, I mean, obviously when you watch the film and you have an opportunity to actually dissect it, um, 
you can find a lot more positives and and some of the good things and try to take those things and uh, you know and, and translate them over to the next game. But we did see some cool stuff in the, in the first half. The fly sweeps. We did, Russell got an opportunity to spread the ball around and hit some different receivers and stuff like that. I, I would just like to see us kind of run some plays off of that now. Like, oh, the fake fly sweep and toss the other way or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's just like, man, we get some successful plays and then, like, we leave them, you know? And it's just like we're not even, like, doing anything off of them, like the same look, like the same motion. And then, oh, it's not – it's a different play now. It's And so I, I think that maybe that's something that they can build on. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly some good things out there as yeah. well. And I think, too, like, I think in this game – we would have seen some of that in the second half because they had set up all these other looks, but then the game gets away from them mm-hmm. in the second half. You Like you said, one drive uh, that was, I think, a three and out in the third quarter, and then and then you don't get the ball but, what, three or four times in the second half, and, so, and, and you're already down by the double digits and things like that, so it kind of took away some of those things. And that's why I was saying I think, I think when this offense becomes – when it gets behind and it feels like it's, it has to become one-dimensional – they're going to have a really tough time because uh, the the pass protection is good, but not always great. And uh, and so then Russell's going to have to run around a little bit, but then people know you have to throw so they can put more folks in coverage, all that kind of stuff. So the defense is dictating to them more than they can dictate to the defense. I'm telling you guys, once they establish who they are, you know, once they establish an identity as an offense, defense, and then as a group, as 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 an entire team. They're going to be totally fine. And then identifying, like, you know, who your true leaders are. That, that doesn't always show up in the beginning of the season, the guys that you can really get behind and rally behind and follow. You know, there there's still some individuals, uh, you know, on this football team. And so, uh, like Pete alluded to earlier in his presser, you know, it's about staying together and being together. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that's has, that has to be really important as they go through this little slight drought. All right, leadership is going to be huge. Speaking of leadership, we're going to go down to the locker room where Jen Miller is there with Dwayne Brown. Dwayne, we saw the offense move the ball in the first half. We saw the offensive line moving the D-line off the ball. Where did that rhythm and that timing come from? Just how we came out. came out very aggressive, uh, physical. You know, we wanted to be that way on the road against tough defense. Uh, We had the right mentality, uh, great play calling, everything. Everything was firing on all cylinders. Uh, second half, you know, I can't pinpoint what changed. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, they got great players over there, so you know you, you can't take away anything that they they done. Uh, but us, we just didn't execute as well as we could. We could have communication with an issue, especially in the last couple of drives. Very loud crowd. We expected that. Uh, we didn't communicate enough, and everyone was on the same page. And then, you know, blocking assignments were off. They made us pay for it, you know, so we have to be better in those situations. How much of this is growing pains with the new offense and almost to be expected for the first couple of weeks while you work through things? Uh, no, no, that's not growing pains. You know, we've been we've been in this offense since, you know, March, April, all season. Everyone has a good idea of the offense, what we're running. Um, but we have to communicate. It starts with that, everyone being on the same page, and then it's execution. Uh, did a great job of that in the first half. You know, uh, same crowd noise in the first half. But uh, we just didn't communicate as well in the second half. You know, and, uh, they made some adjustments. You know, and, and, you know, we got a couple of penalties. They installed our drives. Uh, but we just have to be better in crucial situations. You know, it's third and longs, two minute situations. Everyone has to be locked in. And uh, that didn't happen there. How much of that changed kind of what you guys really wanted to do, right? You fall behind at halftime, and then you, you probably don't have the entire playbook available to you. 
I mean, you know, we were down three points. You know what I mean? And we were down seven points. Or four points and then seven points. I mean, the game was still in reach. Uh, we could have doubted whatever we wanted. Um, us as an offense, whatever we call, we have the players to make it happen. We just got to do better. Myself included. I have had to play a perfect game. Um, but a lot of it comes down to communication, like I said. Uh, you know, for us up front, that uh, was the issue. We have to make a point of emphasis to that. Going to the next game, on the road again, it's going to be in a loud environment. We got to be better. Last question. Let's end on a positive note in Chris Carson's 33-yard run. I think you were among the first to congratulate him, but that was one of those examples of every everybody firing. Beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, Chris is an amazing back. You know, we got some guys up front to get that thing going. Um, that's what we love to do. You know, what I mean, and everything's as deep as we want it. You know, Russ got us a great check. And, uh, it was on a perfect. You know, so we gotta get more of that. You know, what I mean, um, but a lot of that just comes with staying ahead of the sticks. Not getting behind, we're able to do that more often, you know. So we got a lot to learn from. The last two weeks, I think, uh, we got a lot to learn from. We got a long, long season left, but uh, we have to have a sense of urgency going into this week. All right, that is the veteran Dwayne Brown. We'll get that back to you, Bob. Thanks, Jen. That was Dwayne Brown. He says, look, you got to have a sense of urgency. you got to learn from your mistakes. Now, before this game, we wanted the tight ends to get more involved. Gerald Everett did get involved. Five catches, 54 yards. Let's go back to Minnesota. He's at the podium. All right. <clears throat> Uh, just everybody winning their matchups, you know, treating every drive in its own entity, hitting that reset button. I mean, we was moving the ball pretty well, pretty effectively in the first half. But um, the Vikings, they did some halftime adjustments, and you know, we just kind of stalled a little bit. So you know, we'll go back to the drawing boards tomorrow. What specifically did you see from them that really gave you guys problems in the second half? Nothing specific. Um, their D line was was really dominant, and uh, you know, their secondary. Was they played like we saw it on film, so it was nothing surprising to us. But uh, for the most part, I mean, they were just competing, and it just came down to who wanted it more. And unfortunately, you know, we had to take the loss tonight. With the guys you have on offense, how confident are you in what you can do going forward? Uh, we got some of the best guys in the business, you know, top down, um, and you know, we expect the most out of each other. So nothing's going to change. You know, games like this happen. It's, it's really just a game. So somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose, and. We all know that, but we have to treat it like a business, and you know we just got to do better. You've been in this offense before. How much of this is growing pains that were bound to happen in the first few weeks, regardless? Well, I mean, anything you do that's new, you're going to have to wrinkle out a couple kinks here and there. So that's what we're doing. You know, we 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 felt pretty good in fall camp and preseason and week one up to this point. But Minnesota's a good team, so you know they were coming off of a couple tough weeks and. You know, they got their first one tonight, but, you know, we should have had this one. Is that kind of feeling in the locker room is that this was one that kind of got away from you guys? Well, each quarter, you know, it, it played its part. You know, um, they won the second half, to put it simply, and, you know, we just got to do better on both sides of the ball. We, we don't really point fingers here, and, you know, we're not going to say uh, what should have happened or what could have happened. Everybody could have played better, you know, top down, entire team, so... Uh, that's just what happens. What does that do to rhythm on offense when you guys don't have the ball for like eight minutes or ten minutes? Sometimes in between possessions. Well, you know, guys on the sideline, you're trying to stay warm. Uh, you try to, you know, throw and stay in the rhythm. But I mean, they did a great job controlling the time of possession and you know moving the ball effectively. Their two receivers and the running back. 
Um, even in the screen game, I mean, they, they had a great game plan, and it just came down to executing, and they executed tonight. Do you think that has affected the execution of offense from you guys in the third quarter, specifically the last two weeks? Yeah, we, you know, we, we've, we've been rolling, but um, we have the explosives to Tyler and the DK and the tight ends, and, you know, Chris has been running like a bull. But, you know, I mean, it's, each week is different, and we can't really talk about last week or next week. You know, we got to focus on what we can fix from tonight. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. That opening drive with DK and just the rhythm and the tempo of that drive, how close to perfect was that? Say it again. How close to perfect was that opening drive and with as much as DK was doing? Oh, it was ideal. You know, that's, 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 the, that's pretty much the, that's the confidence that we play with. And, you know, that's just what we expect to do. But unfortunately, you know, that, that type of drive, and we didn't have those type of drives throughout the entire course of the game. And that's what we strive for. So that's what we're going to continue to strive for. That was Gerald Everett. Good message there. Just got out executed. Got to play better. Go to work the next day. I mean, things that you want to hear after a loss. We have Seahawk gear for every occasion. Grab a jersey for Blue Fridays, a Seahawk blanket to watch away games on the couch, or a blue and green head-to-toe outfit for game days. Grab your swag today in stores or online at Seahawks.com slash pro shop. When we return, I'm going to get some more analysis from Ray Roberts and Robert Turbin. Also, we're going to hear from Russell Wilson as he steps up to the podium. The Seahawks lose 17-30 to to the Minnesota Vikings. All that next right here on the Seahawks Radio Network. Tough game for the Seahawks. They fall to 1-2, and two, losing to the Minnesota Vikings 17-30. to You know, there was a moment in this game, Ray. I was a little shook. I saw 16 go down. He got twisted up. Um, we thought it was his knee, but thankfully he got up under his own power, actually finished the game. That was good to see. That's another positive. 16 <laughs> got out of that thing, that. man. I was, I was nervous for a minute. You don't want to see that guy go down. Um, like I mentioned, DK Metcalf had a good game, six catches, 107 yards. Turbo, what is it like when you have an individual performance where you just do your thing? Like, you did well. DK, six for 107, but you still take that out. I mean, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore you had a good game. But you can't really enjoy it because it's a loss. Exactly, it feels like crap. It feels like it feels it feels like you didn't have a good game. You know what I'm saying? Like you get all these text messages though. <laughs> <laughs> good game, bro. That's what I'm talking about, cause of, you know family and. But man, you you know you, you don't you act, you almost don't even respond unless it's your yeah. mama or somebody like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, listen, a loss is a loss, man. It's a team game, and despite what you might have done individually. Uh, in your individual performances, man, the, the the only thing, unless you're a selfish player, you yeah. know, unless you're a selfish person, which uh, we don't have that on this football team. Uh, so unless unless you're like that from a personality standpoint, man, when when you do all that kind of stuff and and you still lose, you you feel like you lost. I mean, you did lose, you know, and so those those stats really become a non-factor. Uh, for you until like the season's over and then you can like start to count up like how many yards you got total <laughs> and everything like that but right now it doesn't feel very good right third down has been an issue for this football team but I feel like it was different today like they just didn't have many opportunities they were forced like you said to play a certain game they were three for eight on third downs is my assessment correct when it comes yeah to that? I mean they didn't get to like I know that's one thing that Paul Moria talks about is like uh the third down efficiently efficiency but also how many times you get to third down and they didn't really get to third down a ton in the first half that obviously they did a little bit more in the second half but uh like I said I think all of that was impacted by 
just being down and trying to come back, and then you get off your game plan a little bit. You can't do those things that you want to do. You can't, you know, put those different play actions in off the runs that Turbin was talking about. You can't, uh, you know, dictate to the to the defense. So then they're kind of they're kind of one step ahead of you that way. And so uh, the third downs to me wasn't as big a deal as just the offense not finding the rhythm from having to play from behind. And uh, I know when they first started the second half, Turbo said out loud what I was thinking, which was run the ball, and they did. But then the score got to the place yeah. where, you know, you have to throw the ball more. And uh, and so then the defense can – you're more predictable that way. Yeah, you know, and last last week both of you guys said that, look, you got to run the ball even when they know you're going to run the ball, yeah. right, just just to make them respect it. So, yeah, I, I respect that they came out that way. But eventually the game turned a bit and you have to kind of transform your game plan. Okay, let's go down to the locker room. Jim Miller standing by with DJ Reed. I knew that was a double move guy, but I just, for some reason, had my eyes on the slant. This guy greedy, and he ran the, the slant like a swirl, slant out. Right. So I take that, you know, that's on me. I take that to the chin. Was it Thielen when was that cover three? Yeah, we was in cover three. Um, they ran like a Dino. Um, shit, schemed our ass up. Um, at the end of the day, I got to make the play, but, you know, they formed a bunch. I'm playing outside to the bunch, and he bent it in. You know, good play, good catch. There was a big theme of just not communicating very well in this one. Is that communicating amongst yourselves? Is that communicating from the sideline? Where is that breakdown? Yeah, I mean, we had a couple plays where obviously we didn't communicate and we just gave them the free play. You know, you got to make the offense work for it, especially on third down. We had about one or two third downs where we just busted coverage and it's just an easy catch and throw. Anybody can make that throw. So we just got to be better. Um, just overall, we have to be better on third down. We got to get off the field. How many more screenplays did they run than what you were expecting? I mean, we knew they were going to run screenplays. Obviously, they ran a lot of screenplays. Um, and that just comes back to if we're in zone, we got to have our eyes on the quarterback and everybody has to rally to it. We can't just, we can't just be like, oh, that's our man and just let the screen just be a big play. So we got to be better. Given the number of times they hit on that and the number of bounces that went their way, how much did it just feel like it was only going to bounce their way today? I mean, it was just a long game. Um, same as like the run, they were running the ball, and when a team can run the ball, that opens up everything with the passing game. So we got to be, you know, better in the run game, including everybody, and we got to be definitely better in the pass game, and that's including me. You said it felt like Buffalo. Yeah. What changed after that last year? What did, what did you guys fix there that worked? Sim yeah, similar to what we just did um, down that we just talked about it as a whole defensive unit. Um, and we're all in, so we just got to get better from it. We got to learn from it, learn from the tape, learn from the mistakes, and just get better from it. So you had a defensive meeting after the game, and you talked, yeah, just personal accountability, or what did you? Say? I mean, yeah, just we got to get this shit together. That's just what it is, and we got to all come in. No pointing fingers. Blame, blame yourself. Look at your mistakes, and bring it forward to the team. Like guys, Andre, you really upset after the end of the third quarter. When you guys are walking down, what was so frustrating at that moment? Just frustrating when a team is just driving the ball. <laughs> we couldn't get a stop, so it was just frustrating. Um, obviously, we can't let our emotions show. Um, we damn sure can't argue on the field. We got to, you know, get to the sideline and communicate like professionals. Um, but at the end of the day, we got to get off the field on third down. That's just what it comes down to. DJ Reed, frustrated. You 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 DJ heard it in his voice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they heard it. You had to hit the dump button a couple yeah, times. Yeah, he was that. keeping it real. It's real. You know the thing that's in, interesting is you know this idea around. They've even said it like the uh, uh, accountability, stand together, all those different kinds of things, and and even the uh, tell the truth Mondays and things like that. That stuff only matters 
if the behavior is changed. Because you can be you can be honest with yourself and never change the behavior, right? And True. so so the magic isn't in the actual acknowledging what needs to be happening. The magic is in the behavior change because then that's going to change the outcome. And so that's the thing that's going to be important, which we did see happen with this defense last year. They had this accountability moment where people had to stand up and say what their their job was on the certain plays and how they fit in and all those different kinds of things. And it seemed like it flipped the uh, the performance of the defense. And so those types of things have have to happen. Is that the 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 if the behavior change doesn't change, but you're just making yourself aware that you need to play better, uh, then you're just going to keep having the same result. And so I I'm interested to see what they're going to do. Uh, the things they're going to do, the behaviors are going to change. The the they're in the moment. You kept hearing about this communication piece of it, even from Dwayne Brown. So in this heat of the moment, people were not being able to communicate. That indicates like a sign of panic. You know what I'm saying? And so like, what are, what are they going to do in those moments to then not panic? Who are they going to turn to? What voice is going to be the loudest? You know, those types of things is that's what. Uh, like self-leadership is, that's what self-coaching is, and then ultimately the leader of the team, whether it's Bobby or Russell or Pete or whoever it is, uh, they have to also model that type of behavior. Yeah, you hit up a, a couple good points there, Ray. You talk, you said panic, you know, and, and I was thinking, the word I was thinking of is was worried. You know, it's like, man, when the quarterback drops back to pass, you're almost worried about, you know, if you're in the right spot or you know, am I dropping to where I'm supposed to be dropping? Am, am, am I am I reading this correctly? And that's what it kind of seems like as you watch the defense out there on the field. And so if you're in that state of mind, um, then you're not able to play free. You're not able to just go out there and play and anticipate things and, and just naturally, like, go through your reads. And that's why we're not seeing anybody make plays. All the players are being made against us because everybody else is – just playing free. They're just doing their thing. Boom, boom. Yeah, you have to have discipline in what you're doing, but there's a certain balance there, Ray and Mike, where you have to be able to have some freedom in what you're doing and some flow and allow the game to just come to you. We're not letting the game come to us right now. Yeah. And so, and everything is being dictated against us. And that's one of the things that has to change. Lots of things need to be done when we come back. We're still waiting to hear from Russell Wilson when he steps up to the podium. The Seahawks dropped the game one and two, lost to the Minnesota Vikings 17 to 13. Come with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seahawks postgame show. I'm Michael Bumpus hanging out with Ray Robertson and Robert Turbin. Tough day, man, but it's okay. We're going to be all right. I, all right. I, I really believe that there's too much talent on this offense and on this defense for people just to completely panic. You should be concerned. You lost two in a row. Okay, I get it. But you still have talent. You still have Russell Wilson. Listen. You still got Dwayne Brown. You still got DK Metcalf. Bobby's on the other side. Jamal's on the other side. There is talent on this team. And we're going to go down to Minneapolis. Russell Wilson stepping up to the podium. Well, I think that we, we were moving the ball extremely well in the first half. Um, I think we, our tempo was great. We're in and out of the huddle and all that kind of stuff. Um, we really had two, that really two possessions really in the, in the – one in the third and one in the fourth. And then we had that two-minute one where I thought we hit Penny for a touchdown. Uh, they made a good play on it with like four minutes to go, 350 or whatever to go. But they had a chance there um, on fourth down. Um, you know, so I think that we, we just have to stay the course. You know, we're a good, we're a good offense. We can do a lot of great things. Um, you know, it's going to be challenging sometimes. You know, it's not, it's not going to be, uh, you're not going to be able to score every single time necessarily. But I think that, um, you know, we had that, uh, the, the, the drive in the third quarter where, um, 
they made a, they made one or two good plays on that, and then we got the ball middle of the fourth, um, and uh, just we could have been a little bit crisper on, on the, here, here and there, and so. I just think that uh, we got to stay the course. We got a challenge ahead of us, and, and that's really um, where our head is at. Talked about it last week uh, when the other team had a couple of really long drives, and how challenging it is to stay in a rhythm. Happened again today. When you're in that type of situation, and you know the defense is really having trouble stopping the other team, does that put extra pressure on you and the offense with those limited opportunities? I wouldn't say it puts extra pressure. I just think we have to be uh, that much cleaner. You know, we, we got to execute every drive. I think we 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 believe that we can uh, score on every possession, every drive. That's just our mentality. Um, you know, and so uh, we got to make sure we do that. We got to find the little things that we can do um, within the, within the drives, within the game. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we I think we had a lot of good plays today. We had a lot of great things that we did. Um, you know, I, we, like I said, the, the one with uh, we were down 13, 14, or whatever to go. At the end of the game, there we, we thought we had a touchdown potentially. Um, they made a good play or whatever. I didn't get to see the replay; they didn't show it. But I, um, you know, so we thought we still had a chance, you know. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Would you run down the arguing for PI there, or you thought it was a catch before the ball? It looked like a catch where, where I was at first, and then and then they were saying incomplete, and then but it also looked like pass interference. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. You know, you're trying to argue for something to something to go, to go right right there. Um, and then I know they were talking, so I just wanted to hear what they were saying. Um, um, you know, so that was a good opportunity. Almost had it. You know, that would have given us a chance to go win a game and try to find a way. How confident are you in how this team is going to respond to a little adversity? I'm super confident. I think that we're confident that we can uh, respond in the right way. I thought we responded in the right way, even this game, in the sense of coming off of last week's game. I thought, you know, um, we, our mentality was right coming into the game. The game was, you know, really there. For the most part, until late in the third quarter, kind of got away from us there, just uh, in the beginning of the fourth. But we felt really confident in what we were doing, how we were doing. We were really well prepared. Shane did a great job preparing us all week. We, we were on our stuff, um, you know. So, as we go throughout the season, there's going to be challenges. It's going to be journey. It's going to be a journey. Uh, we're not stopping here, you know. And, and uh, I think that our mentality um, has to be at the highest level always, and that's where we're at. So. Uh, we know that, and we're prepared to do that, and we're prepared to go on this journey. And we know it's going to be tough. Um, you take one game at a time. You play one one moment at a time. Um, and we can always be cleaner. We can always be better. But uh, I, I believe in this football team. I believe in what we what we can do and what we will do. What was it like playing in the noise? In the noise today? It was definitely loud out there. Uh, they did a great job out there. Uh, obviously, the fans and everything. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium. It's loud. Um, it was not. It was really a, not really a factor though, um, in the sense of. What we were doing, how we were doing things, um, we felt like we were communicating really well. We had some really good checks and things that we got to, and got, I got, I got us to that. You know, Chris Carson had a sweet run on that one and checked it out, checked out of it. The guys were really sharp there. I just think that, um, you know, uh, you know, as we play on the road, there's always going to be. You know, we got some great road games to go to. I've always loved going in tough environments, and we'll be prepared and continue to be prepared. A big relief was it to see Tyler was okay after what looked like. Yeah, how you went down, you know, you started grabbing his knee or whatever. It, uh, I was worried, you to be honest with you, um, just because he's worked so hard for it. And um, just glad that he's okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was a little little bit of a shock for us all, I think. But um, you know, he's 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 okay. He's up. He's moving. He's smiling. So he'll be ready to roll. How did Jake Kern do his chance? Right. 
I thought Jake did a really good job stepping in there and playing right tackle against some really, really good pass rushers. I mean, you think about Hunter over there. You think about just the guys that they have. I mean, Griffin obviously is a great player too, but just Hunter mostly on the right side there. Um, I thought he did a really good job. He was poised. Uh, I thought Jake Kern did a tremendous job stepping up and stepping in. Um, you know, he's been he's been really, really solid all training camp, to be honest with you, in all season so far. So to have a rookie right tackle that can step in and play the way he did with the confidence that he did in a tough environment, loud, uh, I thought he was poised. Um, and so uh, as, the, as, the, as the games go on, you know, and everything else, he'll continue to get better and better. So when the possessions are as limited as they can be, when you mentioned that you have to be almost perfect or, or better executing, it sounds kind of weird, but how important is the opening coin toss and that sequence at the end of the first half, beginning of the second, where you can you didn't have the ball from four minutes in the second quarter to six minutes left in the third? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think the the coin toss is uh, it can you, a lot of times we defer, so we get the ball in the second half. Um, uh, you can look at it two different ways, you know, we lose it or to win it. We went, we know, we got the ball the first drive, and we just went up and down the field and scored right away. It was beautiful. You know, beautiful drive. Everybody was getting the ball. DK did a really great job, um, you know. And so, um, guys were just making plays. We were really great on third down and just in that. And um, you know, so we were up seven nothing right away, which is a great feeling to come. And they, and they they did a good job responding too. And the game was just back and forth in that in that first half. Um, you're, and you're exactly right. You know, when 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 they took, I think they took ten nine minutes off the clock in, in the in the third quarter, the very beginning of the third quarter. Um, you know that was that that was definitely long, and then really the possession before the half, um, there was about 5:50, I think 5:30. I'm always watching the clock, so it was about 5:30 um, before that um, before that half, and they they had that long drive to score another touchdown to make it 21-17. Um, you know, so and then they had the so they had five and a half minutes there, and then they had the nine minutes on the other end of it, so back to back. So that was. You know, I think that we, you know, every possession, you know, for us, you know, we got to, and that's just always, I mean, that's, it's always been the history of football. You know, every possession counts, you know, every play counts. And so um, nothing really changes. We just, we just have to be sharp and fine tune some things. I think that I have a hundred percent confidence in what we can do. I thought Shane called a really good game, to be honest with you. Um, we just, we just didn't have enough opportunities there. And um, I really, really, we were in a great vibe, great flow of all the things that we wanted to do. Shane was great. Um, guys were on it. I thought DK played a really good game. Like I said, Tyler being him being healthy. I thought Freddie Swain made some really key plays. Uh, Gerald made some great catches. Uh, Chris Carson had a sweet run on that one uh, to the left. So there was a lot of good things there. So uh, I'm, I'm not discouraged by any means. I believe in what we can do and what we will do. Carson, run did you check out of that? What was that play, and how did it? Without telling you the play, um, yeah, but it was we had a pass. We actually had a pass on, um, and just saw the front, saw the look, and everything else, and uh, and I got to it. Was, the clock was ticking down, so I had to kind of go up and down the line really fast and get to it. But we got to it, and uh, you know, great blocking by the guys on the on the middle left side there, and to for us to scamper in, and just Chris had a sweet run on that. So yeah, that's the one we checked to and just got to it off the look that they were given. Uh, DK well, he responded all week. You know, it didn't start today. It really started this week. Uh, I thought DK responded in a tremendous way. His attitude was right. His mentality was right. He's a champion. He knows what to do. He knows that he's a pro. Um, you know, and you all have ups and downs and tough moments. But he was really, truly prepared. He had his, one of his best weeks of practice, and it showed in the game. And uh, I, thought, I thought he played really well tonight. Anything else, Harris? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, that was Russell Wilson. Lots of things to work on, lots of positives as well. End of the day, they still took an L to the Minnesota Vikings. Our quarterback review was brought to you by Verizon with 5G built right for the Seahawks. Seattle can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality. Okay, when we return, we'll get final thoughts from these two guys and also a Niners preview. That's next on the Seahawks Radio Network. Ball at the 30 of the Vikings. Going to turn to Hannah Carson. Big hole. Down to the 20. Down to the 15. 10. 5. Carson's in. Touchdown. Seahawks. Chris Carson into the tunnel. He may be heading to St. Paul. What a run by Carson. 30 yards for a touchdown. The Seahawks on top now. 16 to 7. Our call of the game is brought to you by Beacon Plumbing. Stop freaking. Call Beacon. All right, let's pause 10 seconds to give our network stations a chance to identify themselves here on the Seattle Seahawks radio network. Seattle Seahawks station. Cairo. Cairo radio. The conversation. Breaking news direct from the sidelines. And where the 12s hear the Seahawks. K-I-R-O FM Tacoma, Seattle. All right, your Seahawks. These Seahawks lose to the Vikings 30-17. to Let's go through the positives and the negatives, okay? The negatives the offense could not get on the field in the second half. Defense gave up a bunch of yards. Vikings did a great job controlling this game. Kirk Cousins, 30 of 38, 323, three touchdowns. Alexander Madison filled in for Dalvin Cook and really put on a show. 26 carries, 112 yards, also got involved in the pass game. Justin Jefferson looked like the route runner that we know he is. We talked about all these guys before the game to say, look, you guys are going to have to look after these guys and see what they do. They came out and performed. Uh, the first half, that offense looked really good. Things were moving. That first drive looked good. DK touched the ball three times. He scores the touchdown. Chris Carson gets going. The second half rolls around, and the offense just could not get on the field. Two games in a row where we're kind of saying the same things, right? Yeah. How, how do we fix this? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you, I think you have to do some like uh, modeling of what you want to have happen. So I know that they've done things before where in the middle of practice they'll go into the locker room and come back out like they're starting the second half, and then try to come out with different energy and different focus and all those different kinds of things just to try to simulate what the actual game is. And so, like, sometimes little things like that, you know, work just to kind of get your, your, your mindset uh, in, the, in the right way. But listen to the players. And so that's, you know, really the, the truth tellers in all of this and the people that were experiencing it. Uh, it really does come down for them around the execution and the communication. And, uh, and then in the second half, it appears that for whatever reason, you know, whether they, they feel like the, you know, the other team's offense is kind of, you know, starting to get loose on them or whatever. But people start to try to do things that they can't, that they're not, that's not their assignment. And then like Robert said earlier, then that impacts trust. Like, I do, can I trust that you're going to be on that out, you in the B gap when I'm supposed to be in the A gap? Or do yeah. I need to try to cover both of them? You know what I'm saying? And then as soon as those thoughts come in your head, everybody's kind of out of whack, you know. And so I think just, you know, those types of things. And then whatever this Tell the Truth Monday is or accountability stuff that they're talking about is really putting action to it, to you know, doing those things in practice, doing those things in the film room that are going to create the change that you need so that these things don't happen. Yeah, let's be clear about one thing and understand something, too, that none of this stuff is going to be able to be fixed overnight, not even, you know, in one week. I mean, this is a – uh, a developing team right now. And we knew that going in. I'll reiterate what I said last week about this offense, new offense. We knew we were going to have some growing pains and some speed bumps and some hurdles to get over. And so when those things kind of happen, we can't be overly surprised or, or 
overly disappointed, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is kind of expected. We got a long season, man. I mean, the Chiefs are one and two, and nobody talking about them like, oh, you know, they're in trouble. You know what I mean? I'm not really concerned about this team. You know, I, they've overcome some slow starts. You know, I mean, even recently, uh, 2018, they started 0 and 2, and they were 2 and 3 after five games. Still made the playoffs with an opportunity to win a championship. You know, 2015, same thing, 0 and 2. 2 and 4 after six games, still made the playoffs. And even the year we went to the Super Bowl. You know, the year we lost to the Patriots, man, we were 3-3. Three and three. You know, after winning the Super Bowl, we got the same team. We're 3-3. Three and three. Like, what the hell's going on? We had some bad losses that year, too. I mean, like, we lost, went to San Diego and lost to the Chargers and lost at home to the Cowboys and then went to St. Louis and lost to the Rams, you know, back-to-back, and we're sitting 3-3 three and three like, yo, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And we still got to the title game that year. So, uh, nothing to be overly concerned about, man. Uh, we just, once we find our identity and, and 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 get you know in sync with one another, we're gonna be just fine. Well, I would just say the one thing to be concerned about though is the play of the cornerbacks because it's been that way all through camp and into the into the season. I feel you on that. They've kind of rotated different guys, let dudes go, you know, brought in other dudes, and yeah. so even themselves aren't settled. At that position, so I don't. At this point, I don't know if you have the right dudes in there to get it done, and so you know, maybe there just needs to be a chance for someone else, and certainly not the opportunity, not the time to hit the panic button. Uh, but uh, but if this team with a bunch of new pieces and people that haven't been through that stuff that Robert just talked about, and maybe haven't been on teams that have been able to respond to that kind of stuff, you, that's when it's important, like Pete said, to hold it together. Yeah. Like so, those leaders, those yeah. Bobby Wagner's, and and. And uh, uh, Russell Wilson's, and he, you know, even some of the more younger dudes like Chris Carson, or you know, some guys that have just kind of been through the battle a little bit around here, uh, need to be able to hold a team together that way. This is why I'm a bit concerned. Rams three and zero, Cardinals three and zero, San Francisco they're two and zero. We got them next. They're playing Green Bay right now. They're down, but we got these guys next. I don't think you, you can't go one and one and three. You can't right. go one and four. They got to try to turn this thing around. There's, but I'm with you guys. There's enough talent for them to do that. Now the Niners, all right, you got to go on the road and play the 49ers. We'll see what happens with them tonight against Green Bay. But we know what threat they pose. They have a good defense. They have a quarterback who's going to manage the game, who's going to make a lot of the right decisions. They're fairly healthy. Last year they weren't as healthy. Um, They got some guys back. So um, to me this is a must-win game. These guys have to win this game. And maybe – and if they don't win, they have to look like some of the concerns that we have are being addressed, right? They can't come out. It just can't be the same story the very next week and say, all right, good first half, second half. All right, we there's a dud. So, yeah. um, you know, I, they, there has to be some improvement. There has to be, you know, like Rob said, like you're not going to improve everything. Yeah. But there, there has to be something that you look at and it looks different than the last two games in the, in the second half. And it doesn't mean that that's going to be the, the Band-Aid that's going to solve all the problems but it will then make you feel better about the team being in the right direction. And like you said, you can't get so far behind these other teams because then it won't matter how well you finish the season, you're not going to get to the place that you want to go to. And this 49ers game, you know, it's always a, it's a big rival with the Seahawks. Yep. You know, and it's going to be a tough game, and they're going to play good defense, and, and uh, Cal is going to 
scheme up some really good plays, you know, in the run game, in the passing game. And if, if you can't get pressure on Garoppolo, he's going to kill you between numbers, like all those types of things. You know, some of the things that we've given up on defense are the strengths of Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And so you got to think, you have to think about that. And then, you know, just on offense, just being able to sustain drives in the second half and, and get points on the board. All right. Lots to work on. Today's final score is Seahawks 17, Vikings 30. You've been listening to the Seahawks Radio Network. I'd like to thank the people who make our broadcast possible. Studio coordinators Matt Nelson and DJ Wilder, executive producer of the Seahawks Radio Network, Nasa Choby. The Seahawks are back on the road next Sunday as they take on the San Francisco 49ers. Pre-game coverage begins 11 a.m. on the Seahawks Radio Network. For our Seattle stations, we have another hour of hot talk. But if you are leaving us, thanks for listening. For Paul Moyer, Ray Roberts, and Robert Turbin, I'm Michael Bumpus. Seahawks fall to the Vikings, 30-7. to Talk to you guys next week. Welcome to Hawk Talk. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Ray Roberts, Robert Turbin. Hey, people are lighting me up in the text right now because I'm saying the score backwards. My bad, all right? The Hawks <laughs> lost 30-17, to okay? 30-17. to um, It's been a tough one. And like we always do, we're going to bring in John Clayton. John, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay, man. I'm a bit concerned over here. My, my compadres are a little more calm than I am. I think uh, the Hawks have to fix some things. Uh, what do you see? Huh. I'm with you. I mean, it's like it's like it's it's bad right now. I mean, you know, a team that entered the season and looked the first week to be a Super Bowl caliber team doesn't even look like a playoff team right now. I mean, this was the most complete loss I think we've seen this team do in how many years? I mean, do we have to go back maybe to the first couple of years when Pete Carroll came here? Because that's how bad it looked. I mean, so uh, I mean, you can see from so many aspects, whether it's the defense, the third downs on offense, the poor communication with the offensive line because there was a lot of mistakes there, the bad play in the secondary, their inability to be able to do anything in stopping the uh, you know the post routes. I mean, the, you know the, the routes in the middle of the field post corner routes I mean this was bad hey John you know it's it sometimes you know I think uh Turbin and I are trying to like you know keep the train on the tracks and and not have you know be critical but not be panicked yeah uh but can you speak to uh some level of comfort that they've they've lost to two pretty decent teams I know that the the Vikings were were winless mm-hmm. but they were they were in both the games that they played in well, I mean, the, the Titans weren't in the first game, and they got blown out by Arizona, so uh, that was bad. And there were defense that uh, you know was last year the worst in stopping third round convert third down conversions, and they were fifth worst going after the Arizona game. And so defensively, they were vulnerable, and they didn't take well. They took advantage of the vulnerabilities there, you know. And offensively, again, they you know Seattle did score points. That's encouraging. But, uh, you know, I, I think right now, I mean, they've got so many things to get fixed, and is there enough time to fix them? Because now they start going into the division schedule. They play San Francisco next week. they got the Thursday night game coming up against the Rams. And, you know, they're already two games behind Arizona and two games behind the Rams, and that's a concern in this division. John, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball. You know, we saw in the offseason uh, – Seahawks has had a, decided to pass on some guys, KJ, and had an opportunity to bring Sherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like the Vikings were just playing catch uh, out there. You think that may be negatively affecting the team right now? 
No doubt. I mean, I, again, I mean, you can see particularly in the uh, the game against Tennessee and particularly in this game, you know, K.J. Wright would have been a valuable asset to be able to have because, you know, one, he's good in coverage, and you can see that there's no mix right now with the cornerbacks and the linebackers in being able to do the coverage. And, you know, he was certainly one of the best coverage linebackers in the league, and he's not here. Now, as far as Sherm, I mean, Sherm obviously for the early part of the offseason, you know, couldn't even be part of anything because of what was going on. But I think you can see the interest growing in him right now. Now, I know Pete Carroll was asked about it earlier this week, and he says there's been no contact. But each each week, because of the injuries that are happening at the cornerback position, and there are many around the league, more teams are checking in with Richard Sherman. You know, for example, Carolina. You know, they made a call with J.C. Horn getting uh, hurt, uh, and so the cornerback, their first-round pick. And so now he's going to be out for some time. Carolina called, Tampa Bay called, New Orleans called, San Francisco called. I have to think, at the moment, you have to start thinking about Richard Sherman. thought it was interesting that Doug Farrar interviewed him this week, and one of the things that he admitted in his last year in San Francisco, he got too big. I mean, he was 210 pounds coming off the Achilles, and he's never really been above 194, 195, and that slowed him down. And so now, with his, sounds like, you know, mentally, he's getting so much better you know he might be a consideration but i have to think one thing that pete carroll has to study this week is is there should, should there be a shakeup on what's going on on defense and what i mean by shakeup is that do you need to start adjusting the cornerback position do you need to get uh, you know certainly sydney jones out there do you need to start to uh, reevaluate the rotation at the defensive end position and the uh, pass rush and all that stuff because right now whatever it is it's not working John Kirk Cousins, 30 of 38, 323 yards, three touchdowns. You could say he outplayed Russell Wilson today. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, as Mike Zimmer said, this is the best offense he's seen in eight years in Minnesota, and Kirk Cousins was almost flawless today. I mean, you know, what did he have? Maybe three or four bad, maybe five bad passes. And, you know, and what's interesting in Minnesota is one of the things that they did is that they got away from play-action passes, which, of course, nobody does that anymore, but they did. And so they were able to hit the uh, passes in the middle of the field, the deep corners and all that stuff, and then on top of it, being able to uh, get the screen passes going. I mean, to a point where, you know, as good as Madison was running the football, filling in for Dalvin Cook, you know, he's catching the ball just as much. And so, again, these things have to be fixed. And I think right now they're at the stage where you're entering week four that you may have to start changing some uh, personnel. Hey, John, looking forward to week four, and the 49ers are, are playing uh, the Packers mm -hmm. uh, right now. Uh, the Packers are up 10 to nothing. Aaron Rodgers seems to be off to like a you know, fantastic start at one point. It was 11 for 11 uh, for a, 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 over 100 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. But for the for the Seahawks and the 49ers, always a tough game, always a, a you know, uh, Cal does a good job of scheming against the Seahawks, but what is going into that game? What would you say is the one thing that the Seahawks uh, need to, to lock down on? And then what do you think? Uh, the 49ers were trying to take advantage. Right now, the 49ers are so injured at the running back position. I mean, as bad as it is in Baltimore with the three uh, guys, the top three running backs on injured reserve, it's like and out for the season. I mean, you look at they were down four running backs, and you can see even tonight they can't run the football. So they become so one-dimensional. And if Kyle Shanahan is going to keep you know trying to do some play-action passes, which Minnesota didn't do, you can see you know interceptions and mistakes. Jimmy Garoppolo just in a few minutes ago threw a pick. Uh, downfield and so uh, they're vulnerable in that area and again the injuries uh, in the secondary Kawan Williams is all banged up 
And so now you have Kawan Williams. You don't have Jason Verrett. Emmanuel Mosley you know, missed the first two games with a knee injury. You know, they've got some big problems there. And so they can be vulnerable. <clears throat> and here they are taking on Green Bay at home, and they're getting drilled. Hey, John, um, you know, you, you alluded to the pass rush mm-hmm. a little bit. Last year when, when Jamal Adams came to the team, we saw him blitzing a lot. We had the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap, and, and we had some success. Do you think our opponents just have a beat on what we're trying to do defensively now? And do you think perhaps there needs to be a change in the signal caller on that side? No, it's like that's, uh, that's not going to happen. I don't think it should happen. I mean, you know, everybody wants to run Trey Flowers and Ken Norton Jr. out of town and all those different things. I mean, and that's, I think that's just so wrong because Ken Norton Jr. is so tight with some of the players on this team. And, you know, he did a good job down the stretch last year. And so I think, and again, Pete Carroll does not change coaches in the middle of the season. That's just not his nature. He's very loyal to his coaches. That's good because, again, they're loyal to him, and because of that, they just got to get better. I mean, they need to perform better. They need to communicate better, and they need to play better. John, how important is this next game versus the 49ers? Vital, because, again, if you lose it now, all of a sudden you're talking about one and three, and you're way behind in the division race, and you may not be able to catch up. It's almost like the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who you knew had a tough start to their schedule with five games coming up against 10-win teams and a banged-up uh, Carson Wentz, and now they're 0-3. And, and you you, wanna, you don't want to be 1-3 and three going into a Thursday night game against a Ram team that right now is playing like a Super Bowl team. Hey, John, before the game, uh, we saw the report about Josh Gordon. Uh, any indication uh, about him and, and Seattle, and do mm-hmm. you think he could help this team? No doubt, no doubt, because, again, you know, uh, I know as the week progressed, I mean, the Seahawks weren't going to tip their hand one way or another, but my guess is as early as tomorrow, he's going to be activated off the suspension list, and then because he still lives in Seattle, I think it's easy to say he's going to sign with the practice squad and get on here by, you know, Monday or Tuesday. Now, that may allow him to play this week. It may not, probably not, but it does put him in a position to maybe you know go out there as a third receiver in the Thursday night game and do some things. At the beginning of the of the season uh, on ESPN, they had this uh, uh, computer mm-hmm. programming thing that said that, that there's a chance the Oaks would start out 0 and five, and there's a chance they could start out one and four. Yeah. What what? could that thing have been seeing that that we were not seeing? Well, I mean, again, I think it's still the negativity that, uh, you know, they're looking at from the Russell Wilson thing from the beginning of the year and also looking at a defense that, uh, you know, didn't get any respect even though they did well in the second half of the season. So a lot of it's defense because obviously it can't be offense because, you know, they've got Chris Carson, they've got weapons on offense, you know, and they've got Russell Wilson. So it has to be, you know, more of a slight on the defense than it is anything else. All right, John, appreciate your time, your analysis, man. You have a good night. Okay, sounds good. All right, when we return, we'll go down to the locker room where Jen is standing by with Ugo Amadi and Carlos Dunlap. That's next on your home of the Seahawks, 710 ESPN Seattle and Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Welcome back to Hawk Talk. I'm Michael Bumps with Ray Roberts and Robert Turbin. We got Jen Mueller. She's down in the locker room standing by with Ugo Amadi. Let's go to her. Ugo, this certainly was not the outcome that you guys were looking for. What can you point to as being the biggest kind of cause and reason for what happened out there? Um, I just feel like um, we didn't find our, our edge. We didn't get the, the turnovers we were supposed to get, you know, to to change the momentum of the game and, you know, get everybody rolling, you know. And it's a away game, so you have to bring your own momentum. 
Yeah, it looked like it was hard to, to even maybe anticipate what they were going to do. What was going on on some of those deep crossing routes? Um, on the deep crossing routes, it was just really they hit us on the play action, you know, and, and, not, and we weren't getting our pre-snap communication, so, you know, it was, it was all on us. Is that something that you would expect to happen the first few weeks of the season as the defense is trying to gel, or is that not a reason for any of it? Uh, I mean, well, the first few weeks, you know, you're still trying to find, figure out each everybody's office because you don't have too much film to go based off of, you know, what, what their tendencies are, you know, so, yeah. The penalty that you had, did the official say anything to you after that? No, nah, the, the, the official didn't say anything to me, but, you know, that was, I just got to play with better hands, you know, and that's just making me, you know, be sharp on my technique. Is that about the only other thing you could have done in that situation is just get your hands out of the way a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that's all I really could have done. What happened after that? They, they started to get rolling with momentum, but they, did they change play calls? Did they do anything else to get so much momentum? Um, no, I just feel like uh, they were well, – the head coach is really, you know, pre pressing his run, running the football, you know. And they was getting, the running the football was opening up everything else they were going to do. Now, the Seahawks have been so good at bouncing back for losses, but they are now 34-10 and 10 in the Russell Wilson-Pete Carroll era. Bump. Thank you, Jen. That was Ugo Amadi, and, you know, Marquise Blair got banged up before the game and wasn't able to go. We saw him rotating with Ugo Amadi at that nickel spot, and it got us thinking, are we concerned about this depth over there at the corner spot? Ray, you pointed out that, you know, they've been bringing guys in. You bring him Witherspoon, he's gone. Uh, you got Jones now here. Um, and you say you want to you want to see him shake it up a little bit. We concerned about that depth? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it's the depth, but just the the play. Like it, I think sometimes uh, even if a a guy may not have the skill level that the dude's in front of him, but he has like the mentality uh, that that is required to do the things that that you're asking him to do. Sometimes you have to give that dude a shot, you know. And and he may not be the biggest, fastest, or most experienced, but he has a mindset to go out there and challenge and compete in a way that, that maybe he can be successful. Then we you know, forget that uh, the, the rookie Brown is, is, uh, is on IR. So there's a chance that he comes back. And he's like one of those – His the way Pete described him uh, in the preseason was feisty. You know, like he's a smaller dude, a dude that kind of changed his opinion about uh, needing the six-foot-tall, you know, long defensive backs. And the thing that he brought to the table was this feistiness to be around the ball, to challenge – uh, receivers and, and stronger than what he looks like and those types of things. So he may not fit the mold that you're used to seeing here, but he fits the mentality that uh, that I think Pete could, could lean on and trust in. Yeah, I mean, you know, depth really isn't the, uh, too much of an issue, you know, in my opinion. You know, gratefully, Marcus uh, Blair's injury is not a serious one where he'd be able to come back next week. Um you know, but at the same time, the thing that they're missing right now at that DB position is a playmaker. I mean, somebody who could just consistently make plays that you know, like you can depend on 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 that side of the on that side of the footballs. And you know, getting interceptions, obviously getting your hands on the ball, but even just the deflect. We're not even seeing deflections, you know, on a consistent basis, and uh, and that's really the cause of concern at that position. Now, how do we fix this secondary? All right, we, we talked off air about this thing, and we all agree that the corners just play really soft coverage, right? It is cover three. You have your deep thirds. Your, your job description is to not get beat deep, but then Turbo brings up. He goes, man, when Browning was here, man, he bumped, boom, get out of there. Sherm will sit at five yards, then he'll get out of there. Do we think that it's, it's scheme, or do you think that it's the, it's the player's decision? Do they not? Let me rephrase that. Do they have the, the option 
to play cover three like that? Or are they coached up just to stay deep, get deep, keep dropping? I don't know. That would be a question for Coach Norton. Um, but I would certainly love to see them mix it up. Uh, you can be in the same coverage but line up in different spots. Just as long as you get to what your job is. Just as long as you do your job on the play, you can disguise it any way that you want to. Like I alluded to earlier, it's like uh, it just doesn't seem like we're playing free. You know, we're just we're thinking about our assignment and what we have to do, and that slows us down. That slows our our, our anticipation down on, on certain plays. Man, you can line up and bump and run and still play cover three. Just get to your third, you know, or or five yards off from a – and now, as a as a as an offense or as a as a person who's playing across from you, I don't know what you're gonna do, you know, uh, because you're mis- mixing up those looks. And so uh, that would be a question for Coach Norton. But I'd certainly like to see them mix up some of their uh, alignment. Yeah, I think you know too. We go, it goes back to the confidence thing too, right? Whether you're confident in yourself to to be able to do those types of things, yeah. you know. And uh, because I I would say they're playing the coverage to the letter of the law of the coverage. And so they don't allow for any of the nuance right. in the coverage is what you're talking about. Like, you know, maybe I, I walk up to five yards deep or maybe I get into bump and then I turn and bail out right before the, the ball snaps. And so I think that comes with confidence that you can actually do the job first to then add those nuances to it. And I don't know that the, the, the DBs that are, especially Trey Flowers, I think Trey Flowers walks away <laughs> from the game not happy that, you know, how the passing game went, but Probably going like, hey, I didn't get beat deep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and so so until you can gain that type of confidence within the system to kind of create those nuances, it's going to be really tough. And so I think even if you change defensive backs and say, hey, we want you to do those things and we want you to challenge the, the, the receivers more, there's still going to be growing pains because that means a chance they're going to get beaten deep and you're going to have to live with it and roll with it and hope that – by them challenging and being more aggressive that in the big picture that it's going to be better. All right, let's go back to the locker room. Jim Miller is standing by with Carlos Dunlap. Carlos, what was Pete's message after this one? Um, execution. We have to out-execute them. We have not done that in the second half of last game, and we didn't do it this game well enough to win. The team who executes the best on any given Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever it is, is going to win the game. And they did that. Delvin Cook wasn't in the game. Madison still <laughs> was picking up some yards. Did that change anything about the play calling that you were expecting when Cook was scratched? Uh, no. They they ran the plays that, um, that we expected for the most part. Uh, obviously, I don't study the, the the route game, so I don't know if the routes were it, but the runs, the screens, uh, we were – they ran in the screens a little bit more than we expected, and they executed all of them. So we got to do better on that. Is that a matter of sniffing them out sooner, or is that a matter of wrapping up when, when you get the guy in front of you? Uh, I'm going to defer to the tape, look at the tape, and figure out what's best for that and let the coaches figure that out. But I think it kind of plays into the quick game, too, because, you know, we're trying to rush and get our hands up. But then we have to also be a factor and chase the screens as well. So we got to do that better as a defensive line. I can speak from my own perspective. I can't speak from everybody else, but as a defensive line, we got to get in the uh, the tunnel and chase those. You know, I got to do a really uh, better job, and I, I feel like 
the guys in my group take ownership and pride in stopping those plays. So, you know, I don't think D-line stopped any of them today. So we're going to get that fixed. Daryl Taylor did get to Kirk Cousins, but those turnovers haven't been there. Yeah. What, what is it going to take to get that ball coming out a little bit? Uh, I mean, getting the ball out is that easy. Once you get there, you got to get the ball out. And they typically come in bunches. Once you get one, typically they get to rolling. But um, we have not earned it. They're not going to give it to us, despite what you think or what you've seen from them last year. They're not going to give it to you. Lastly, what would you work on? And what do you want the team to really focus on in the next week? Um, execution. Um, we're coming out hot. These last two games, we're not finishing. Um, we're not keeping the momentum all the way through. Um, I feel like that's something that we need to capitalize on because uh, this is the NFL. There's a lot of great teams out there. Um, and right now, we're not better than any team out there. And, but we have the ability and the opportunity to go put that on display. And we have to go and do it. We can't just talk about it. can't wish or want for it or believe in it. We have to go do it. And once we put that together consecutively on Sundays, Thursdays, Mondays, whatever it is, because this next stretch is going to be pretty crazy, um, then we'll start getting the results we want. That is a really honest assessment by a veteran. Bump, we'll get that back to you. Thank you, Jen. Uh, Dunlap was honest, man. They got outplayed. You know, Vikings 28 first downs to the Hawks 21. Vikings were 9 for 14 on third downs. They had 73 plays, 21 more plays than the Hawks. Total yards, there were more, 453 to 389. Uh, just about every category, the Vikings got it done. I mean, they held the ball for a lot longer. Kirk Cousins really played well, 30 of 38. Russ was 23 of 32, only had the ball, what, three times, three to four times in the second half. Um, it is what it is, and I think that's the approach that Dunlap is taking. I think that is the right approach because you can't ignore the faults in the game. Right. right? You you got to learn from them. You can't, you can't make those faults who you are. You can't say, okay, this is who we are. They can climb out of this, but – um, numbers don't lie, and the results don't lie. You <laughs> lost thirty to seventeen. Yeah, and you know, I, the the thing I like about uh, Carlos is that uh, he, from the moment he's come here, he's always—I don't want to say he wears his emotions on his sleeves, but he just kind of gives it to you real simply and just honestly and transparently. Like he never kind of sugarcoats it one way or the other. You know, it's either like, hey, we played good and I made the play, or hey, I played bad and we didn't make the play, you know? And so uh, I, I trust in what he says and how he, in how he talks about it. And I, and I think that he's one of those dudes that um, maybe his – he hasn't been in a situation where he's won a whole lot, you know, like he like, – and been in a franchise like this. But because of that and because of his, like, his excitement about being here and his, his transparency – I think his voice carries in the locker room, you know, and I, I think he can be a dude that could lead them into to a better space on on defense, you know, and and really hold himself and other people accountable because that's what he does. He he holds himself accountable first in every interview. He always says, "This is what I could have done better," or "This is what I have to do." Before he speaks to the greater, you know, defense or the greater team, and that's that, those are signs of leadership. And so uh, there are some good things, especially on offense, that you can take. Uh, from the game, like you said, they scored points. They they made plays in the first half. They sp Russell spread the ball to seven or eight different receivers. They rushed for over 100 yards. Chris Carson was averaging about six or seven yards uh, per carry. So there are some good things there. Just got to figure out how to correct those things that are 
holding you back and then continue doing those things that you've been successful with? Yeah, he definitely kept it real, you know, real, real plain. You know, uh, he talked about, he kept using the word execution. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to execute better, both on offense and defense. You know, if we execute better, that allows us to be more efficient. That'll allow us to put more pressure on the quarterback. That'll allow us to defend the pass better and uh, be able to get off the field on third downs. Uh, and so, you know, that's the thing that they have to look at uh, moving forward. Lots of things to correct for the Seahawks. All right, when we return, we're going to go through some highlights. All that is next on your home for the Seahawks, 710 ESPN Seattle and Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Welcome back to Hawk Talk. You hear the music. That means we're going to go through some highlights. There were some highlights in this loss, guys. There were. Okay. First highlight, Russell Wilson finds DK Metcalf for a 27-yard gain early in the game. And Russell from the shotgun takes a snap. Four-man rush. Russ has time. Steps up. Fires down the middle. Ball is caught. It's DK Metcalf. The 20, the 15, the 10. Knocked off his feet at the 10-yard line. Harrison Smith, the safety coming over. But great protection by for Russell by the offensive line Russ could step up on a just a fabulous move by DK Metcalf picks up 27 and a big first down yeah you know DK was on his way to having a a really really big day Uh, they got off to a fast start really feeding him a lot uh, in the first half and in that first drive and so that was a a tell of things to come but they just wasn't able to finish it the way they wanted to yes DK came out hot and he wasn't finished Russell Wilson finds him again for a 10-yard touchdown making the score 7-0 Russell drops back in the shotgun. Two receivers near side. Tyler Lockett is the slot on the left. Metcalf is wide to the right. Russell looks far side. Throws it out to Metcalf. He makes the catch. Does he get it? And he does. Touchdown, Seahawks. Just a quick out route to the right side. DK Metcalf, who then stretches that long six-foot-four-inch body toward the pylon. He gets the ball across, and it's a touchdown from 10 yards out. The Seahawks on top in their opening drive. Yeah, you saw in that play the the corner kind of playing off, and DK took advantage of that on the out route, man, got the ball, turned up the field, uh, was physical, got in the end zone, and it was a great play by the offense. Vikings answer with a seven-play, 70-yard drive, ending with a Tyler Calkin touchdown, making it 7-7. Seahawks answer with an 11-play, 40-yard drive, setting up a Jason Myers field goal, making it 10-7. Then the Vikings go three and out the next possession, setting up this Chris Carson touchdown. Ball at the 30 of the Vikings. Going to turn the hand to Carson. Big hole. Down to the 20. Down to the 15. 10. 5. Carson's in. Touchdown. Seahawks. Chris Carson into the tunnel. He may be heading to St. Paul. What a run by Carson. 30 yards for a touchdown. The Seahawks on top now, 16-7. to Man, Carson was looking kind of gassed after that play. <laughs> like, man, I ain't had a long run like this all season. But a great great blocking scheme, great read by Chris Carson on the cutback right there, man. Showing off a little bit of speed. I think his speed is underrated. Great play overall. Great score. Got the running game going. Great job. Showed a little burst right there. That made it 17-7. to Kirk Cousins had a heck of a game. He connects with Adam Thielen for a 15-yard touchdown, making it 17-14. to Cousins from the shotgun. Looks, fires to the back of the end zone. Ball is caught. Touchdown, Vikings. A late flag comes in. Going to be a helmet-to-helmet, I think. Adam Thielen with the touchdown from 15 yards out. Thielen, who's been really quiet so far in the game today, but he is a big target. And that time, he catches the touchdown pass on the goal line. And the Vikings now 
17-13 with the Seahawks on top. Yeah, Thielen has, has uh, you know, quietly kind of – he doesn't – they don't talk about him as much as they used to back there, but this dude has been productive ever since he came into the league, and, uh, and today was no different. He put a little hesitation move halfway through that route and then got to the inside of the, of the defensive back before the safety could come down and touchdown – Vikings. We call that a little Dino route. You get to the top of the post, you stutter, boom, boom, hit him with an outside move, keep it skinny. If Cousins was not on time with that throw, it could have been bad for Thielen. All right, the next drive, the Seahawks went six plays, 53 yards, but Jason Myers missed the 44-yard field goal, ending his streak of 37 straight field goals made. Play fake to Madison. Now a throw to the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Jefferson. D.J. Reed on coverage, but Jefferson started inside, then turned back outside to the far pylon, and he scores from three yards out. And it is suddenly Vikings on top now after Seattle has led the entire first half. Man, and that was a route. We call that a whip route. I believe D.J. Reed calls it a swirl or something like that. <laughs> That's when he sells the slant. D.J. did his job. Take away the inside. You don't want to give up a slant like that. I believe Jefferson came in a short little motion. Boom, sold the slam, whipped it back out. DJ took care of the slam, hard to get on the out. He said he knew that Jefferson is a devil move type of guy. Jefferson has some of the best routes in the league. All right, the second half was all Vikings. They outscored the Seahawks 9-0. to All three field goal drives for the Vikings were long drive. Ray, 16 plays, 50 yards. 11 plays, 70 yards. 12 plays, 88 yards. The final score, Vikings win 30-17, to 17. when you put those type of drives <laughs> together, man, it's demoralized. Even if you're holding the three, you're still out there for a while, you're tired, you're huffing and puffing. Yeah, I mean, all of those drives you just talked about were double-digit drives. Like, even, like, the 50-yard drive, it was, what, 16 plays or something like that? So that is taking energy out of your defense. It demoralizes uh, you know, your, your team a little bit because you're giving up points at the end. But it also, like uh, some, of the, some of the stuff we heard in the postgame, it takes the offense out of rhythm because they're standing on the sideline for that, that long a time and they're trying to toss the ball back and forth to stay warm or stretch or run up and down the sideline. You can't get into any kind of rhythm, and that showed with the offense in the second half. And Turbo, they get points. They might not have got 7.6 points like they wanted to, but the Vikings put points on the board. That puts pressure on the offense as well. Yeah, absolutely, especially when you know you have a defense that's out there struggling, you know. And so as an offense, you want to have a sense of urgency of saying, hey, we want to be able to sustain some drives, put some things together. They weren't able to do that again today, especially in the second half, which resulted in the loss. Resulted in the loss of Vikings win 30-17. to All right, when we return, we will give you our game MVP. That is next right here on your home for the Seahawks, 17 ESPN Seattle and Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. Welcome back to Hawk Talk. I'm Michael Bumpus with Ray Roberts and Robert Turbin. We got to give a game MVP. Yes, I know the Seahawks lost 30-17, to but it is something that we must do. I'm going to start with you, Ray. What you got? Well, I mean, every week we could always – we always say this. We can pick, you know, Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, he had, had an efficient game, obviously, in the second half, didn't have as many – touches and opportunities as he would have liked. Uh, but in honor of my son, Slade Roberts, and uh, his pronunciation of the game MVP, I'm going to call Mr. D.K. Metcalf as our game MVP. Went to him early and often. He was up for the task. Too bad he didn't get as many opportunities in the second half. I think he was on his way to a big, big even bigger game. Turbo. DK Metcalf. 
Simple as that, man. Man came out here, balled out. Uh, they fed him early. He found his rhythm early, uh, and he did his thing. And uh, so, yeah, I think I agree. I think, you know, he was off. I mean, he, he could have had a huge game today. Yeah, know? six catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Averaged almost 18 yards a uh, catch. That's, so that's amazing. You're on your way to do some, some really cool things unless they just decided to just double him. Right. <laughs> double him up the rest of the game and take him away. But just wasn't able to get back into that rhythm in the second half because of the way the score was. And then, uh, like you said, the lack of opportunities to actually, uh, you know, keep feeding him. Right. I think we're all in agreement. The MVP was my Keyhawk. If there's a oh, win, right. I'll take that win. That. If there's a win, I'll take that win. I had DK as my Keyhawk. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see him get involved early. I felt like um, it was a point of emphasis. They're like, look, we have this beast on the offensive <laughs> side of the ball. Let's get him the rock and see what he does. He also ran a route. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. I haven't seen him run before. He ran kind of like the same route that Justin Jefferson ran, except he went out to in instead of in to out. So his route tree is evolving. Um, they're looking to ways to give him the ball. He lined up in the slot. He lined up outside. That's what you have to do with guys like DK. Find ways to get him the ball, especially next week when you take on the 49ers. The 49ers are losing right now 17-7 to at halftime at home against the Green Bay Packers. When we return, we will preview them. That is next right here on your home of the Seahawks, 710 ESPN Seattle in Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. Welcome back to Hog Talk. Last segment. Seattle Seahawks lose to the Vikings. 30-17. to 17. Tough loss. Feel like they got outplayed in almost everything. Offense, defense. Offense couldn't get on the field. Defense couldn't get off the field. Just a tough one. So what do you do after a loss? You got to watch the film. You got to digest it, and then you move on to the next. We're going to preview the 49ers. Now, the 49ers are actually playing right now. They're down... 17 to 7 to the Green Bay Packers. And what the Niners pose, what threats they pose. They have George Kittle, in my opinion, one or two best tight ends in the league. They have a young receiving core with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. When those guys are healthy, they are something special. And then as far as running the rock, it almost seems like they just put anybody back there and they have success. They've had a bunch of injuries over the last few years, uh, but they, they find a way. They're struggling against the Green Bay Packers. We know that their defense is healthy. You got Bosa and the boys over there. Red Warner. When you think of the 49ers, Ray, what comes to mind? <clears throat> well, first, uh, they've just always – Kyle Shanahan has just always done a really good job scheming up our defense. And so you're always going to – he always adds another wrinkle into what they're doing or he does a really good job of – I remember uh, even Richard Sherman when he played here was saying that he does a good job of making uh, a run that they ran the week before – looked like a run, but it becomes a pass. And so they've been able to, in the past, be able to get some big plays off of things like that against the, against the Seahawks with that. But then, you know, trying to contain, you know, Bosa on the other side, Fred Warner is like the, you know, a lot of people compare him to a younger Bobby Wagner because he's athletic. He, he's an every-down linebacker, sideline to sideline, can cover, all those different kinds of things. And then, and then Garoppolo, you know, Garoppolo, when he's healthy and he has people around him and he's able to kind of get the ball, you know, less than 10 yards down the field, but in the middle of the field, he tends to be uh, pretty effective. Tonight he's 10 for 18 for only 91 yards. If you looked at the stats, you would think that they were down by more than uh, than the 10 points. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you have to the, – the two previous games, uh, they've had, you know, over – you know, a two, maybe close to 300 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing. So they have an offense that can be explosive that can really put some, uh, put some pressure on the Seattle, Seattle's defense. 
Yeah, you know, they're, they're a complete team to me. When I look at them, uh, they're good everywhere. You know, now, now they've had some injuries. Uh, you, you alluded to the running backs, but they, you know, they've usually been able to put guys in there and fill in pretty well. But they've also had some injuries to their secondary, which can be detrimental to them uh, as we get further along in the year and we start to get to those, uh, you know, playoff type regular season games. But overall, uh, they're a complete team. You know, they run the ball pretty well. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan does a good job, you know, scheming uh, their, their offense and disguising different things. Uh, they're good in the passing game. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, one of the better passers uh, in our league. They've got good receivers tied in, obviously, with George Kittle. You know, on the defensive side, like you mentioned, I mean, you got the pass rush, uh, their ability to be able to cover, uh, and they make plays. Uh, they can disrupt your offense if you allow them to. They can cause some turnovers, and so a complete team. Yeah, and I, I think George Kittle is a guy that um, that you're going to have to really figure out a way uh, to not allow him <clears throat> to catch those passes over the middle because this dude is a beast after the catch. He's a really tough dude to bring down. And so it's going to be a challenge for the linebackers to kind of you know try to deflect some of those passes or just by their presence alone take that away as an option because he's a type of dude that that team really feeds off of. He's a very physical, emotional, uh, sometimes kind of uh, arrogant type player and uh, he can create a lot of energy for that team and for that offense. So it's going to be important to kind of get some breaks on him. But then, you know, really getting Garoppolo out of his comfort zone and uh, and with those those routes and right in front of him in the middle of the field, he doesn't throw the ball a lot outside the numbers and things. So it's going to be important for this defense, which then speaks to the most important thing is going to be what the Seahawks do more so than what the 49ers do to them. And so they're going to have to really come back and have some improvement somewhere on defense that can give them a chance to get off the field and get the ball back to the offense so they have a chance to stay in rhythm and and sustain some drives. Yep, I'm with you. It won't be fixed overnight. It won't all be fixed by Sunday. But all we're looking for is some improvement, all right? All you Hawk fans out there who are calling to fire this guy, fire this guy, (laughs) fire that guy. That ain't how the game works, man. It's a complete team sport. The coaches are going to get back to work. The players are going to get back to work. Don't forget the dark days of the Seahawks. Stick behind this team, all right? All right, today's final score is Seahawks 17, Vikings 30. You've been listening to the C. Listening to Hawk Talk on 17 ESPN Seattle, Cairo 97.3 FM. I'd like to thank the people who make our broadcast possible, studio coordinators Matt Nelson and DJ Wilder, executive producer of the Seahawks Radio Network, NASA Chobie. The Seahawks are back on the road next Sunday as they take on the San Francisco 49ers. Pre-game coverage begins 10 a.m. on the Seahawks Radio Network. For Paul Moyer, Ray Roberts, and Robert Turbin, I'm Michael Bumpus. Seahawks lose to the Vikings 30-17. Let's see if they bounce back next week.